Do you have an opinion about Ms. Arnold's testimony that Ms. Heard would have made $1 million an episode um, in a couple of streaming series following her um, A Star is Born moment? Yes, I, I heard it. I have and an opinion. What's your opinion? Well, after Aquaman won, this was a major coup. Amber Heard got that role. She tested for it. She could have been the other 19 actresses or 10 or whoever else tested, didn't get it. She got the role, and she got her salary uh, doubled for Aquaman 1 to a million dollars. Now, Ms. Arnold wants you to believe that that million dollars would translate into, she'd get that for each episode of a series. We know what she got for a series. She got a series uh, in that period after Christmas 2018, before uh, spring of uh, 2020. She got a series. It was eight episodes, and it was $200,000 an episode. And Miss Arnold is from somewhere, in, in, in a glib way, saying she got a couple series and a million each. And I can tell you, as a, someone in the trenches, Rarely, rarely does an actor get a million dollars for a series episode. Uh, and, um, and again, in those 16 months, there were no offers for series at a million dollars an episode. In fact, her, her only series is the 200,000. And if you look at her resume, the series that Miss Heard were in, I think the longest one ran eight episodes. Jason Momoa, if you were to believe Miss um, Arnold and somehow Jason Momoa's agent broke their confidentiality in the agreement and he had a series at a million dollars an episode, if you're to believe that, Jason Momoa has had a series with 78 episodes, with 44 episodes, with 21 episodes, with 18 episodes, with 21 episodes. He was in, again, there's not a comparableness there. We spoke a few minutes ago about the test option agreement. Um, what's the significance of the option part of that agreement? The option part of the agreement uh, gives the employer, the studio, the option. Uh, they don't have to do anything. Uh, they have an option to either employ you at a very healthy salary to play this role or not. They can recast the superhero role. You just have to think of how many actors have played Batman or Superman. They uh, they can do what they want. And, indeed, since there's no contract, they only have a choice to exercise their option or not. They might say, we're not exercising unless you reduce your compensation. Who knows what the negotiation would be? But it's not a contract until the studio exercises the option, and they don't have to. Um, what's the alternative to an option agreement? Well, the alternative is most agreements in Hollywood, you're hired to play the role. Uh, or once you exercise the option, then it becomes, for that picture, an agreement like others in Hollywood you are now hired to play that role. So most contracts are guaranteed. You're hired to play the role. 
In an option agreement, once they exercise the option, for that movie, it becomes a guaranteed contract. Are you aware that Ms. Arnold testified that Ms. Hurd was released from her Aquaman 2 contract and then subsequently um, rehired? I heard that testimony. Is that consistent with your experience in the film industry in connection with these um, multi-option contracts? No. Why not? Again, studios uh, don't do things they don't have to do. As we heard Mr. Hamada, the president of the studio, say, uh, you either exercise your option or you don't. They exercise their option. He denied releasing and then rehiring. And in my experience, in almost five decades in the business, doing this type of work, not talking about it, not consulting. I mean, I have, you know, I heard Ms. Arnold say she'd been an expert a hundred times. That's, I'm a, I'm a transactional lawyer. I do this occasionally. Uh, basically, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not a contract till they, uh, option it. And, and they, they pick up their option. And at that point, it's guaranteed contract, and then different different uh, rules apply to it. In your experience in the industry, do studios typically comment on those types of um, actions that they're taking with respect to options? No. Uh, just like Mr. Hamada said, they don't need to comment on it. They either exercise the option or they don't. In Hollywood, silence is the default. Uh, you play no card before it's time. And the, and the cards there were exercise the option or not. And I was surprised by Mr. Hamada under oath basically saying that there was this discussion of chemistry. That Ob- objection, Your Honor, hearsay? I think it was, um, it was an in-court statement this morning, I believe, Your Honor. That's fine. It's saying here to say that you were, it's hearsay like yesterday. I mean, it's, it's hearsay. I'll overrule the objection. Go ahead. Thank you. I didn't hear. Go ahead, sir. Overruled. You can continue, Mr. Oh, I was surprised to hear Mr. Hamada say that they they talked about uh, chemistry. That would normally be behind closed doors uh, because it can't help your relationship with the actor. You're either going to exercise or not. And... Um, that was um, uh, quite a bit of candor from someone at his level. And so, therefore, I, I uh, uh, take it at face value. I, I think he felt that he was under oath and he was telling the truth. But it okay, wouldn't objection, be... Your Honor, is... I'll sustain the objection. Um, Mr. Marks, are there circumstances where a studio would be more likely to say something about not using an actor again in a franchise? Yes. What are those circumstances? Once they've exercised the option, once the contract is guaranteed, the studio still has the right to pay the actor but not play them, pay or play them. And that is a rare condition because you've hired the actor, you've got to pay them, but you say, go home, we're recasting. In that situation... After you've exercised the option and the contract is guaranteed, if you uh, 
pay off the actor, that's normally commented on. That becomes a bit of information because it's not normal. Is that circumstance different from Ms. Hurd's contract with Warner Brothers for the Aquaman movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ms. Hurd's contract, again, it was just an option. Either we exercise it or we don't. And if we exercise it, she's in the film. If we don't, she's not. Until we exercise it, we have our right to recast or not make the movie. And even after we exercise it, we'd still have a right to recast and not make the movie. We just have to pay her salary. Do you understand that Ms. Arnold compares Ms. Hurd's career trajectory with that of other actors, including Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, Zendaya, Ana de Armas, and Chris Pine? I heard that. And what's your opinion of those actors as comparables for Ms. Hurd? Even Ms. Hurd's agent, Jessica Kaye, said that four of those actors weren't comparable. Objection, Your Honor, here, sir. I believe the same response, Your Honor, that it was in testimony that was played in court earlier this week. I mean, that's not what she testified to. I mean, he's characterizing testimony that was from days ago, and I don't even think she testified to that, Your Honor. You can cross-examine overruled. Overruled. You may continue, Mr. Gibson. Again, they are not comparable. Jason Momoa was Aquaman. Chris Pine was Captain Kirk. Gal Gadot was Wonder Woman. Zendaya has been working on Disney Channel since she was 13. She's in all the Spider-Man movies. She goes by one name. Anna de Armas, you know, when she was in a movie that they call, you know, her breakout, it was as a nude poster. She's been an ensemble piece, Knives Out. These are not comparables. Now, Ms. Arnold stuck to Jason Momoa, who's the most non-comparable because of his history and his career, but she didn't give us the advantage of telling us what his contracts were, what he renegotiated to, what he earned. She didn't give us any of those building blocks. She just created, she set him up as a comparable and then said what Ms. Hurd should earn, but she never gave us the salary of Jason Momoa or the other comparables. And she built like this house of cards on nothing. You know, she showed us with her words the beautiful clothing that the emperor was wearing, but we could see, if you know the business, that he wasn't. All right. I'll sustain the objection. Next question. You were just speaking about Mr. Momoa as a comparable. Are you aware that Ms. Arnold compares Ms. Hurd to Mr. Momoa as an actor with equivalent franchise experience who was able to renegotiate his salary for significant increases in bonus? Yes. What's your response to that opinion? Again, he didn't have comparable franchise experience to Ms. Hurd. He was Conan the Barbarian. He played Aquaman in a movie that Amber Hurd was not in. He played Aquaman, not a supporting character like Mira. It's just not comparable. And you can say the words, but 
but I saw nothing from Ms. Arnold to back it up, something to build on, which if she was a negotiator in the trench, the studio negotiator would say, okay, so show us. Where's the comps? Let's talk numbers, because ultimately that's where we have to get to, not just because you say it's so. We just don't believe you. You've got to show us. In your experience in the industry, what factors influence the negotiation of the terms of a film agreement with an actor? Well, I mean, first it depends on the film. If the film is a million-dollar movie and everybody's deferring their salaries, that's one thing. If it's a superhero movie, that's another. But for dealmakers and negotiators, the best predictor of what the deal should be is past earnings, precedent, comps. You also look at the budget of the movie, what it can bear, because if Jason Momoa's comp is $10 million, but the budget's $10 million, obviously he has another price for that movie. But the best predictor of future earnings is past earnings. And I didn't see any – Ms. Arnold talked about past earnings at all, except the earnings in this rarefied superhero four-picture deal where instead of incremental increases, which you normally see, it was multiples increases. And then when you get on a series, the big renegotiation was when the network has no more options. Until then, the actors on the series get 5, 10, 15 small percentage raises. They don't get multiples. They get the multiples if it's success and the studio wants to continue making the series and they want to keep these characters. That's when the renegotiation happens. Here, even if we believe Ms. Arnold, after Aquaman 2, there was still an option waiting at a big price, double the previous payday. What's the significance of the timing of the Waldman statements to the opportunities Ms. Arnold claims Ms. Hurd lost? Well, the argument, as I understand it, is that Ms. Arnold says that Ms. Hurd lost all these opportunities because of – those losses were caused by Adam Waldman's statements 16 months later. So I think the timing – Sure. 
Mr. Marks, what's your overall assessment of Ms. Arnold's opinions in this case? My overall assessment of her opinions is that they're not worth the paper they're not written on. She knows something about our business, but not about negotiating deals. She may have gotten someone at the Endeavor office to breach confidentiality, but she never laid out the building blocks. Objection. Objection. You have to stop talking, Mr. Marks. Thank you. Beyond the scope. Mr. Marks, can you just limit your testimony to your opinion about Ms. Arnold's opinions, please? My opinion as someone who's made deals as a deal maker for almost 50 years is that she calls herself an expert, but she's not. She doesn't have the background. She doesn't have the day-to-day knowledge. And her testimony that I heard did not back up her bottom line. If you want to get those figures, you have to show why they're deserved. And again, she was constructing a Jenga without the bottom pieces. It does not hold up under scrutiny by someone who makes deals. No further questions. All right. Cross-examination. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. That concludes argument in this case.